My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's the Irishman in America from Irishman Abroad podcast with me, Jardeth Regan over here and Marion McKeown of the Sunday Business Post over there. Marion, when I read this headline that the Senate passed legislation on Wednesday evening to ban TikTok from the US government and all of its devices, I thought... Is this a typo? Is this just one of those silly news pieces designed to make people like me click? But it's real. It's 100% legitimate. It's real, Charlotte. Absolutely, it's real. And, you know, it actually makes sense because, like you, when I looked at it first, I went, dear God. But it's it's not to ban TikTok from the United States. It's to ban TikTok from government devices. Now, if you work for the government and you use government computers, government phones, government iPads, if they use such a thing, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. you can no longer have TikTok downloaded on that device. And the reason is they believe Janet Yellen, who is a very calm, reasonable woman, um, said last month that, that having TikTok on federal devices represents a legitimate national security concern. That is because there is a belief, whether or not it's, it's based in reality, I don't know, but certainly in the, in, in the national security uh, department in, in America, they think that it is. Um, it's, it's that the, the TikTok, it's owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance and it's controlled by the Chinese government or certainly that's the view from here. While TikTok doesn't operate inside China, the Chinese say the company doesn't store US data in China. America is frankly really skeptical about that. And they believe that Oracle has started vetting TikTok's algorithms and its content moderation models earlier. And they're, they want to make sure they're not being manipulated by the Chinese authority. But the jury seems to be out on that. So basically, um, what's happening is that the Senate has decided, led by Josh Hawley, who of course is very, um, <laughs> never saw a conspiracy or never, <laughs> never saw a conspiracy he didn't like or indeed latch onto, uh, has decided that this is an unacceptable security risk. You know, it, it's probably no harm. They're erring on the side of caution. As they say in the FBI, it's an abundance of caution. Uh, but now anybody who works for the federal government it, um, and anybody who works in government at all is not allowed to, including in, on Congress, um, won't be allowed to have TikTok on their federally owned devices. But they can have it on their own phone. They can go home and TikTok to their heart's content once yeah. it's on their own phone. Yeah. Or their own and, that's the, and that's the contradiction right yeah. there. I mean, everybody is, a lot of people are lucky enough to be heading home to their families this Christmas. Anybody who's been around an Irish parent will know their rigid with fear that somebody is going to hack them and that they'll they'll get into the computer <laughs> via the camera they it just sounds like old people going 
the Chinese are after us. That we have to get this TikTok <laughs> off the phones. It really just like I, nowhere in any of the coverage of this can I find any legitimate or sound reasoning as to how this poses a threat. Other than sure, you know that thing is open owned by the Chinese, and they potentially abuse the data that they're going to get from. Like there's, yeah, uh, uh, it sounds really like scare tactics. It also sounds like there's an attempt here to kind of muddy up the name of TikTok because people would be likely to follow suit that if the government are taking it off their phone, maybe I should too. I hear exactly what you're saying and I agree with you, but I think that people are not going to pay much attention to this at all. And so I I went, whoa, this is interesting because they've passed the bill. Like It, it happened pretty quickly um, in the Senate and God knows the Senate doesn't agree on much these days. They're very careful about a lot of things. They're very paranoid about a lot of things but you know you sounded like one of my family there and that's why I was laughing about TikTok coming in for you. and coming for you. In, you know not just TikTok but Instagram Facebook the whole damn lot you know they're, they're all coming for us but for the kids out there I don't think they need to worry too much I don't think the Chinese are interested in their photos or their videos or their, or their new dances or, yeah. <laughs> or anything else for that matter. Look that said I am on TikTok and if people want to follow me on there it is it is an addictive substance, TikTok. Um, you will find yourself in there over Christmas if you do put it on your phone, going down a black hole of, you know, road rage incidents or what my algorithm throws me up. Seems seems to think, Marion, that I'm really into people falling off ladders. I yeah. don't know why, <laughs> but the, the algorithm is so clever. It knows that I Maybe. will watch a number of people falling off ladders. And say Maybe to myself, the Chinese saw you throwing your phone laughing at somebody falling off a ladder. You know, personally, Charlotte, I think that the whole thing with the US government is just to stop the federal employees from sitting around all day well, looking at TikTok was, and doing a bit of work. That <laughs> was my question. And that was yeah. where I was going with this addictive substance remark is that what's yep. next? Are they going to take Candy Crush off these devices? Is this something else wrapped up in a security concern? I'm not taking this one too seriously. I think, as I said, that somebody probably thought, you know, we're paying these so-and-sos and all they're doing is sitting around all day because, you know, if you work for the federal government, you're not known to bust your ass at the best of times. Yeah. You know? so, so they're probably thinking, enough of this TikTok lark, get back to work. There is a paranoia here about the Chinese spying. Everybody assumes the Chinese are spying on everything. There, there really is, you know, and, yeah. and um, I think that, that they just thought, okay, you know what, let's just get rid of this. Nobody needs to have this on their federal device. I'm always concerned my phone is spying on me but somebody who's who's proven to be spying on people and able to you know harness the underworld to muddy the names of those that are out to get him as he views it is harvey weinstein the jury's out for nine yeah. days and yeah. still no verdict in his trial you that know, seems highly irregular it's extraordinary. Now, um, just just to to because um, we haven't spoken with this for a while. Um, Harvey Weinstein is it, it, he's in a Los Angeles court at the moment. He's got his twenty three year sentence in New York, and he's been extradited to Los Angeles for a separate trial, uh, dealing with um, there are f- four women involved in this trial who who allege that they were raped and are sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. Uh, One of these women is the wife of Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, um, who claims that that when she was working, uh, you know, as as an up-and-coming actress and producer, that she encountered Weinstein 
and this that that he raped her. Uh, so it's it's been, you know, it's extraordinary. Now I don't want to get into too much detail, but the the the, the jury is out for nine days. They're apparently they've asked for some transcriptions to be read back. They've asked questions of the judge. The judge in this case is keeping the questions private because she doesn't want, you know, I th- I think she's right. She's got to respect what the jury is concerned about and what they what they are, you know, questioning. Like as you know, in America, it's open season on juries, which which I don't agree with. But um, the jury it's a jury of nine men and three women. I'm just saying that I'm not sure. If this is relevant, um, to, I was surprised when I heard that was the jury composition from the get-go. I thought, well, you know, surely it should be six men, six women. That would seem to me, or, you know, somewhere around that uh, to, be, to be better. But there is an, a, a sort of a rule of thumb in criminal law cases uh, that the longer a jury is out, the better it is for the defendant. Now, mm. I don't know if that's true in this case, but the, the, the testimony in this case and the evidence um, and, you know, again, without without getting into too much detail, a lot of it centered around Harvey Weinstein's testicles because he apparently had a condition known as Fournier's gangrene in 1999, which is every bit as horrible as it sounds. And he had to have extensive surgery on his scrotum and, and there was apparently pretty horrific scarring. So, um, the, the, these witnesses said we couldn't have known this if, um, he hadn't, you know, assaulted us. And Weinstein's defense is, is his lawyers are saying, or you couldn't have known it if you hadn't agreed to have sex with him. You know, this proves nothing. But the amount of time people have spent on this particular topic in this, um, hearing is kind of bewildering to me because I, you know, I am no fan of Harvey Weinstein's, but I think that his lawyers are right that it's not conclusive that the fact that they, these women saw Harvey Weinstein either naked or in various stages of undress, um, doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that it wasn't consensual. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Harvey Weinstein is innocent, but I'm just suggesting you've got to be objective. Um, and apparently that this is the sticking point for the jury. The, the, the Jane Doe One, who is a European actress and model, um, who she says that Harvey Weinstein raped her at the Mr. C Hotel in Beverly Hills. Weinstein's defense are saying she she wasn't there then. She was with the owner of the hotel, um, or she was with the festival um, owner. And there, what they did dig up the the prosecution in in response to that found texts where the festival um, director or one of the festival directors had written to Harvey Weinstein and said, "You're my hero and my best friend in the industry. I would always lie to please you," which implies, of course, that that um, Weinstein may have asked him to lie for him and, and to say that, you know, to, to try and muddy up this evidence. Uh, but it, I, I thought that the prosecution did a decent case. I, I'm not sure why they're so stuck. But that said, you have to respect a jury's right. They're in the courtroom every day. They've seen all the evidence. They've seen photographs and other evidence that the public isn't privy to. So, um, but I am surprised. I am surprised and I'm a little bit concerned um, as well, as I say, you know, on the basis of the jury makeup and on the basis that I know you cannot consider other convictions, but let's just say Harvey Weinstein has form in this. Now, I know you have to leave that outside of the the um ju- the courtroom you know you you have to just look at the evidence and solely look at the evidence to me i don't see how 
any woman would go through something like this um, and to, to make it up. It's, it's just, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, if you're the wife of the governor of California as well, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, it, it, it's something you're going to be carrying around on the campaign trail. It's something the public know about. Um, I just think that, that um, it's concerning. It's concerning. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that, with, that, with all respect to the jury and to the evidence they've seen, I, I, I find this um, a bit bizarre. Yeah, but Marion, we do know that it does happen. That yeah. you know, while you know, you can say I don't know anyone that would put themselves through this. There are those that will, unfortunately. And again, I'm not saying that that's a reason to acquit him. But this is ick is the word that yeah. I would yeah. connect yeah. with what I've read about this yeah, trial and really the discussion of his yeah. balls. I don't yeah. need that in my life, even no, if his were- balls have been removed and That's placed right. into his inner thighs. Yep. Like, that means it's impossible to kick Harvey Weinstein in the nuts as much as <laughs> any of us wants to do it. It's a very you know, tricky process. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, you know, I, it's early here and I wish I hadn't got that image back in my head before <laughs> breakfast. Thank you, Doris. Thank you. <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but there's obviously much more significant news and Another man who's struggling this week is Kevin McCarthy. I got your message saying that he's still struggling to get enough votes to become the speaker. I mean, how, how much do people dislike this guy that this is the struggle that he's facing into? Well, you know, it's it's not even... The irony here is that Kevin McCarthy is the one guy in Congress on Capitol Hill, in the, you know, he's the pick me guy. He wants everyone to like him. Kevin McCarthy has always wanted everyone to like him. It's his biggest problem as a politician. He craves everyone's approval. That was why he hightailed it down to Mar-a-Lago, you know, at three days after January 6th, having said that Trump was responsible. He then gets the call from Trump and he goes down and publicly literally, you know, goes on bended knee to Trump and kisses the ring and goes, no, 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 don't mind anything I said about January 6th. Donald Trump is fantastic. You know, what's interesting to me about this is that this to me is a measure of Donald Trump's waning influence within the Republican Party. And you might say about bloody time, but he has been working the phones for Kevin McCarthy. He's been calling, it's it's the MAGA guys who are holding out on McCarthy. It's the Matt Gateses, it's the Andy Biggs, it's the there are about half a dozen um hardline MAGA people who will not um, swing behind McCarthy because they think he's not extreme enough. And they think, you know, McCarthy probably wouldn't, his his resting position probably wouldn't be as an extremist, but he'll go wherever you want him to go. It's Kevin, how high would you like me to jump McCarthy? You know, it really is. And that, that is his biggest problem. Now, he's got about He's a couple of votes shy at the moment. My view on all this is that these people, there are two sticking points. The first point is that um, the the Republicans in Congress, in order to vote for McCarthy, they want him to agree, if we vote for you, we can fire you any time we want. If you look at us crooked, we can call a vote and you're out. And, And that should be interpreted to mean, if you don't do exactly what we say on Hunter Biden, on Joe Biden, on the Homeland Security people, on Alex Mayorkas, who is the border control person, um, he's in charge of the border, on all of these, you know, if, if you don't do whatever we tell you to obstruct the Biden administration, to hobble them, to throw mud at them, then you're out. So they want, they 
basically want to keep, be able to keep their foot on McCarthy's neck for as long as he's speaker. He is saying that he doesn't want to agree to this. I think he may have to agree to this and he will literally, as I say, be at their beck and call. He can be fired at a second's notice if he agrees to this. John Boehner, the former leader who who basically quit, he'd had enough of the, the Freedom Caucus and all the rest. Um, he he said this would be madness, He's, you know, to agree to this. But um, as I say, they're adamant. They seem to be adamant at the moment. Um, I think that the other... Po- piece of this puzzle is that uh, you've got these Matt Gaetzes and all these people and they're probably thinking, we'll just make Kevin sweat. We'll bring him right up until January the 3rd, maybe even the second or third round of voting, and then we'll get whatever the hell we want from him. And I think that it, it may be that strategy as well, that they're using this as leverage because they know how desperately he wants to become leader. Now, the second part of that is, why in the name of God does anyone want to become speaker for the Republican Party at the moment? Because we're men <laughs> There's no unity, the chaos within the Congressional Republican Party and within the House in particular. I mean, it's not like herding cats. It's like herding weasels, chasing rats, chasing. You know, they are so divided. They're so angry. They're so they're so gagging for the chance to get revenge and to, to launch like 20 different investigations into 20 different Democrats for the most spurious of reasons. They're obsessed with Hunter Biden. They want to pull Anthony Fauci before some kind of a kangaroo court. Um, and, and you know, the, the whole thing, it, it's going to be a hell of a year. And I almost mean that literally 2023 with, with, with whoever's in charge. The only old, other alternative to McCarthy probably would be Steve Scalise, who's the number two guy. Um, who we spoke about briefly, I think, in the last uh, program. Steve Scalise is, is the guy who was shot during the baseball practice yes. um, and was seriously injured. He is to the right of McCarthy. You know, his the, the shooting, while tragic, didn't improve his, his demeanour in any way. He's a very irascible, in my experience, um, unpleasant guy and, and would be no improvement on McCarthy. Uh, so, so it's it's not looking good. Um, and of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene is demanding that she be put on the House Oversight Committee. The irony that somebody who addressed the young Republicans in New York in the manner that she did would she should be kicked out of Congress um, would be, you know, have a, an important seat on its most powerful committee. Um, it is just unbelievable. And even the fact that Kevin McCarthy, who let us not forget, is an election denier, who did go along with Trump and say the election was stolen, that you know, that you have somebody who supported the the the, the attempt to subvert um the constitution, to subvert the election, to subvert the will of the voters, the fact that this is going to be the next Speaker of the House, you know, I I think Nothing is good in American politics at the moment. Like that lurch to the right that we've spoken about, the extremism, it was checked um, in the midterms to a degree, but a lot of the races, as we've said, were far too close for comfort. And and the fact that we're now looking at people like Marjorie Taylor Greene having enormous power in Congress, we're looking at James Comer having enormous power in Congress, we're looking at terrifyingly Jim Jordan, who is an out-and-out lunatic. He may have been a good wrestler in school. He ain't a good lawyer. Um, um, being in charge of the Judiciary Committee. It, it, it's it's really, really worrying. I mean, his attack on Mitch McConnell this week when Mitch Mitch is basically just walking past him, essentially, and he takes <laughs> a swing right, at this right, guy. Right. <laughs> that, that's a real desperation tactic where he's just... Well, you tell me. What yeah. exactly was McConnell attempting to do? And 
Why was this surprising attack taking place? Okay, well, now let me tell you something about this because this attack was pure political theatre. It was done because the Trumpies in Congress and indeed in the Senate hate, hate, hate Mitch McConnell. They regard him as the guy who didn't support Trump, the guy who tripped Trump up, the guy who came out and gave that speech after January 6th while he ref- he voted against you know impeaching Trump and um, he voted against re- removing him retrospectively as it were uh, but but he um you know did give that speech about Trump saying that that what he had done was a disgrace etc cetera, etc cetera. Mitch McConnell hates Donald Trump with a passion Donald Trump hates Mitch McConnell with a passion. Therefore, Kevin McCarthy has to show that he's with the Trumpies who hate Mitch McConnell with a passion, even though Mitch McConnell basically saved his ass. And Kevin McCarthy knows this. And I spoke to two Republicans who said behind the scenes, literally on the same day, McCarthy was basically thanking McConnell for that vote. It's basically this situation every year where you have a vote on um, government spending, on raising the debt ceiling, and the Republicans who did it recklessly under Trump every year, they they spent like drunken sailors, are now saying, oh, no, 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 we're not doing this. We can't, you know, national debt, tut, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And it's just to try and hobble Joe Biden, to try and hobble what he can spend money on. And it's just to be difficult. Uh, but as I say, they do this dance every year. And occasionally the government is shut down because... As, as happened with, I think it was in 2014 with Ted Cruz, um, he, he basically shut down the government because he wouldn't agree to give Barack Obama the spending, the, the, basically the, the cash that he needed to keep the government open. And um, But it, it's a very unpopular move. The Republicans have done it several times. It never goes well for them. And Kevin McCarthy was facing on his first day as Speaker, if he does become Speaker, but for Mitch McConnell, he was going to have a government shutdown on his hands. Now, there is no worse way to start the new year. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously what all of them want. None of them want a shutdown. But explain what a shutdown means. I think we kind of touched on this a while back, but it just seems so bizarre when it's explained. Can you put it in simple terms, what a shutdown means and how is it such a possibility each and every time? Well, a shutdown, to put it crudely, means that no federal government um, employees are paid. There are the sort of the the must-haves, you know, like the FBI and and justice, etc. But if you're working for various government, various federal branches, let's say the DMV could be closed for a year if there was a shutdown. You know, anybody who who works for the federal government, any federal government employees, like absolute, you know, non-essential, are just sent home. So nothing, nothing is open. Nothing is working, um, and and it's it's just a ridiculous situation. And Americans hate it. They hate it because it it's a reminder of how dysfunctional their government is. It's a reminder of how much political vengeance exists and political theatre. And it also means they can't get stuff done. They can't get ordinary stuff done. You know, things like social security checks don't get sent out. Um, you know, that's the old age pension here. Um. It's, and again, it's poor Americans. It's, it's Americans who are dependent on, on federal benefits who tend to suffer the most. It means obviously that, you know, tax doesn't get collected. Tax refunds are late. It, be, it, it, it just means so many different things. Um, and, and it just causes chaos in the country. Usually these shutdowns don't last for very long because of pressure. Certainly when Ted Cruz held out, it was pressure from within his own party. And that was when, I mean, John Boner, the, the former, um, Speaker of the House, who 
looking back and at the time he was you know he seemed like a cantankerous old buffoon but he he described ted cruz as lucifer for doing that he said that it was just you know it was just completely an appalling thing to do and as i say and now that the party the, the far right of the republican party is so empowered and so extreme and so vengeful they would see a shutdown as going screw you biden rather than damaging the country. And if they realize it is damaging the country, uh, they don't really care because their main priority is to get one over on Biden and to trip him up any way they can. And as I say, Kevin McCarthy, having publicly slagged off Mitch McConnell in his, his drive-by you know, shooting at him, um, basically went then and said thank you, and and is very grateful that that at least the, the, this issue is is you know there's a really good chance now that it will be sorted out before he becomes speaker. In fact, you know, I'd, I'd say it will be. Otherwise, as I say, his first day in the job, <laughs> whoa, I wouldn't want to be him. I wouldn't want to be him anyway for multiple reasons, but I certainly wouldn't want to be him if if he he was um, orchestrating a government shutdown or if it was being forced on him. Well, that uh, vote is taking place as we speak right now. There's uh, there's discussions on the floor right now. So I guess by the time you hear this, there there will be a result. This will be resolved quite quickly, and it looks like the shutdown will be averted. Something that yeah. America can't seem to avert is this passion for guns, even with the anniversary of Sandy Hook this week, Americans yeah. have bought at least 150 million guns in the decade since Sandy Hook. Yeah. Is this getting much traction over there? How is America acknowledging this brutal anniversary? And is there much reflection taking place? It depends on, on where you look. There were 26 and 7-year-old children um, shot dead that day. Their their teachers, a, a teaching aide, the principal of the, of the school. Um, you know, it was horrific. And and it, it's it's like the ten year anniversary. A lot of the parents have been interviewed. Some of the surviving children, um, who are now sixteen, seventeen years of age, have been interviewed about it. Um, have described being, you know, seeing their their best friends, the people they sit beside, they sat beside in school, bleed to death and die in front of them. What these kids have been through is just horrific. And as you say, the, you know, nothing much has changed. Okay, Joe Biden did succeed um, in in introducing and signing legislation earlier this year, um, which meant that red flag laws, which mean that if you're a, you know, if you're a, a, a a perpetrator of domestic violence. If you've been arrested or convicted for domestic violence, you cannot have a gun. Um, and red flag laws also are, they're hoping will be made more effective. Now, they haven't worked so far. It has to be said in any of the recent shootings, there were plenty of reasons uh, to make sure that, that, that the, the perpetrators didn't have guns and they slipped through the net for various reasons. But they said that apparently this legislation is going to tighten up the red flag laws, make them more effective. And it, but it doesn't do the two things that are needed. It doesn't provide for a nationwide gun check, like a, a, a an automatic mm. system where if you want to buy a gun, your name goes into a, basically a federal machine, and it's seen if you have any criminal offences. But you know, th there, there's a full background check that has not been allowed. And also, what Joe Biden has also said he's going to pursue, which is a ban on the sale of assault weapons, because until that happens. These mass shootings are going to continue and you're going to continue having, you know, 20, 30 people killed at a time or even 60, 65, as we saw 
in um, Nevada a couple of years back in Las Vegas. But, you know, as well, just going with that, since um, Sandy Hook, there have been 189 school shootings. That's what, more than 18 a year, more than one a month, Um, you know, every year for the last 10 years. Uh, There have been 279 casualties. That's 279 children and school teachers who have been killed in school shootings since then. And there have been 17 what they call active shooter situations, which is where you have a rampage like Parkland, like Sandy Hook. It's not somebody who sneaks in a gun and in, into school and, and decides they're going to shoot a teacher they don't like or decides they're going to shoot a classmate they don't like. It's somebody who just comes in and lets rip and just kills as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And and um, so, you know, you, you have to look at what you said, those two things, an extra 150 million guns have been bought in the interim um, and there have been another 100, 189 school shootings in the interim and all of these kids who go into school in America, into public schools and indeed some private schools every day, have to go through what we go through at the airport. And, you know, every morning for a five-year-old child to have to go through a metal detector and a six-year-old child and a 10 and a 12 and a 14-year-old child, you know, it, it to me, it's just... How can this be normal? How can this be? How can you be forced to go through a metal detector to be sure that that you're not going to be killed in school that day? And and you know it, it's it's just well, Joe Biden safety belt, isn't it? it? It's essentially the the metal detector. Just to jump in, I'm sorry for interrupting. The sure. the the attitude of the metal detector, and it seems like Joe Biden. I applaud Joe Biden for this. Is that we're not going to break this love of the gun. As we've said on this show over and over again, those that love the gun believe that this is the price you pay and that we don't confiscate cars off people, even though loads of people are killing each other in cars. Uh, In some ways, the metal detector, I believe to be the, you know, the helmet or the, the safety belt of this situation. And I, I believe that that's the price to pay uh, for safety. It, can Joe Biden make progress this way? Is it an idiot errand to try and ban them at all? Well, you know, Bill Clinton did in 1994. He There was an outright ban on assault weapons in, in 1994, but the way he got that was he had to agree that it would be a sunset law so that it would expire in 10 years and then the next president could decide whether or not to renew it. Uh, now, the number of mass shootings plummeted in that 10 years. It's it's amply documented. Um, but the next president, of course, was George W. Bush, big buddy of the NRA. And one of the first things he did was to say, no, you know what, you're grand. We're going to get rid of this law. Go out and knock yourselves out. Buy as many assault weapons as you want. Mm. Um, now, you know, I t- you're, you're right about the metal detectors, but you... Like I, I think for Irish parents or any Irish parents who are listening, so to imagine their kids being put through a met, having to line up and go through metal detectors every day before they can go in and hang out with their pals and go to the classroom, and that is normal in America. As you say, that's regarded as the price to pay. The fact that this is normal is not in itself normal, and that's my problem with it. I think Joe Biden did speak very effectively about all of this. He made a statement on Wednesday, and he said that you know people should be re-examining their core v- values, and why you know how is this how we do protect the most innocent and basically that there should be societal guilt that nothing has been done um you know in the 10 years aside from the legislation that was passed earlier this year um since Columbine to protect school children I, I beg your pardon since Sandy Hook to, to protect school children um and and you know it's it's a it's a sad 
it's it's a tragic anniversary for of course for many reasons because for those poor parents my god and the families of the teachers and and the school assistants who were also killed uh, but but it's also depressing because so little has changed because i think i remember when sandy hook happened everyone believed that this was going to be the catalyst that would finally bring sanity to America, that would finally make America change its mind on guns, that would finally make the NRA, you know, just say, okay, you know what, yeah, we, we want our guns, we want the Second Amendment, but okay, fair enough, we need some regulations. But of course, none of that happened. And I think that's what's probably depressing and hurtful and, you know, just infuriating for the parents is that even the loss of their children, these little six and seven-year-olds, wasn't enough to make America just you know, not even change its mind, but just have a rational look at this situation and just look at the impact of a country where there are more guns than people and where there are tens and millions, tens of millions of assault weapons, you know, in the hands of people who have no business having them. Well, that's basically the roundup for this week. In the second half of my discussion with Marion, we're going to take a little deeper dive into something known as Title 42, which ends next week. The headlines all read that the Biden administration is warning of a potential influx of migrants immediately after Title 42 ends. What exactly is it? What does all this mean? Come over to patreon.com, support our show, allow us to continue making it for another year, and you will get to enjoy double size episodes with Marion every single week, double size episodes with Sonia every single week, and the brilliant Sarah Lavin, the Irish hurdler, will be my guest for the big interview this Sunday. You can hear it all by coming over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.